Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha. I am so happy to welcome Lisa Harrington to us today. And we're going to have a wonderful conversation. She's a pretty amazing woman who's accomplished much and has had her share of grief and has found a a way to deal with things positively. And that's always our story here, that we can find the good side of life, even when we're dealing with loss. So you sent me a bio, but how about if you just tell us in your own words a little bit about you and why you're here and what you're doing? Sure, of course. I have to say again, thank you so much for inviting me on to talk about grief and joy, because I think it's a a topic that is difficult for some to talk about and to hear about, but I think it's very, very important to have open conversations about grief and joy just because at any point in all of our lives, we'll, we will experience something that sort of knocks us off kilter. And so I, I'm excited to be on your podcast. And I am Lisa. I'm Lisa Harrington. I'm mom of five, uh, four here on earth and one angel babe who we'll talk about today. And I am a fitness studio owner. I am a personal trainer who emphasizes or specializes in not just physical health, but also emotional health. Um, just knowing, you know, that people can be going through different things in their life and they, they don't necessarily need to work out for the physical benefits, but sometimes it's often for the emotional benefits. Let's see what else. I have written a book, um, a small book on grief and inspired by my journey and Yes, I think every day I try to live to the fullest and and I'm as present as I possibly can be. And those were both lessons learned through grief. That's that's wonderful. I'll tell you, I read your whole book. It's yeah, it's it's quite wonderful. And it's the sort of thing that I really wish everybody had a copy of and would kind of memorize so that when the occasion arises, they they would be comfortable with talking about it and what's good to say and how it's good to handle things. Because I, I know I talk more about what to say and not to say to somebody who's dealing with loss than probably anything else, because it, it's like everybody it's just not sure what's appropriate. And, and you said it so beautifully in your book and, and I highly recommend your book. So tell me about your twins and what happened and how you dealt with that, please. My twins were my firstborn children and we, we were expecting two boys and I had a healthy, beautiful pregnancy. And one night in the third trimester, my water broke, as that often happens when you're pregnant, especially pregnant with multiples. And when we got to the hospital, I learned that we got there quickly. I learned that one of the baby's cords had prolapsed, meaning it was an umbilical cord accident and that we had to get the babies out as soon as possible 
to give the baby with the cord accident a, a chance to live. And there was uh, so much fear in the room. I, I've never been in a situation that I can remember so well, and it's been 10 years. There's so much fear in the room. There was from everybody, everybody. And um, they actually put me to sleep. And when I woke up, my both of my babies were alive, but they told me that one of them was very, very, very sick. And they ended up transporting both boys to a different hospital with an intensive care unit for newborns, the NICU. And I went out there a little bit later after I, you know, I was recovering from surgery. And at that point, we knew we were going to lose Brady, who was our son who suffered the umbilical cord accident. And, you know, I'm really grateful for the doctors and nurses who gave us a a day with him because, you know, they got him out on time and, or they got him out as fast as they could. And they had two babies to deal with. And they gave us 24 hours with our son who is no longer with us. And it was, this sounds strange, but it was the most beautiful 24 hours of my life. I've never been so present. I remember holding him and memorizing every piece of him because I knew I would never, never, never get this time back. I remember thinking, I don't even know what what time of day it is. It could have been morning, noon, or night. I knew nothing. All I knew is this baby was in front of me and I was going to learn everything I could about him. And so my husband and I spent as much time as we could with him and we had to say goodbye. And it was the hardest thing I will ever do in my entire life. And I remember the moments after getting up or being wheeled in. I think at this point I was in a wheelchair because of the surgery and being wheeled in to see my surviving son who was in the NICU and he had these big blue eyes and he was looking at me and his expression was one of, mom, what in the heck just happened? What happened? And I remember in that moment thinking to myself, this kid needs me and he's also going to save me because here is my little glimpse of joy in the middle of this huge tragedy that's just happened. But I I had this joy that was right there in front of me. And I thought, I'm going to get through this because of you, because you need me, you need your mom. And this is going to be the hardest thing that I ever do, but I'm going to do it. And so in that moment, I became a mother, a bereaved mother. I had never felt grief like I felt before. I didn't know the world could be so cruel. So many things happened in those 24 hours that were really powerful and really, really changed me. With that being said, the grief after those 24 hours was incapacitating. It's so hard to put into words how difficult it was to get up every single morning. Again, I, my son was in the NICU for six weeks. So that was my job. Get up, go to the NICU, sit there, block out. There were a lot of twins in the NICU. I had to, had a lot of triggers and that I really had to learn to focus in on the present and what I had and not what we didn't have, because what we didn't have was very painful. And it took a good, I'd say six months of just everything, shock, anger, jealousy, guilt. I mean, the whole gamut of emotions that grief brings into your life. I remember going through all of them and then being really painful And we ended up at a meeting while, while I'm also raising a newborn, 
So there was that too. And I remember that balance of, I sort of had to do my grieving. And then I also had to be a mom and, you know, really be grateful for the first smiles and the first solid foods and everything that one son wasn't doing because he wasn't here, one son was doing. And so we were celebrating that hard while we were grieving hard. And so that first six months to a year and all the firsts that come with that, the first holidays, the first everything, they were really hard. And it took a lot of work, a lot of work. And I can say now looking back that that was, there were definitely some questionable days back then. And I can sit here now with full confidence and say that everything is survivable. There are tools to get us through some of our darkest days. It takes a lot of patience and finding joy in the smallest of things and having really and truly having faith that there's light after loss. There's happier times. There are, there are, they're still there. So those are my twins. I've got, you know, two, two completely different twins that both taught me a lot about life right off the bat of motherhood. So, so beautiful. And I am thrilled that you found those moments of joy and that you can see that you can go forward. Sometimes people just get so stuck that they're not sure what to do. But I love it when you can do that. And I love that you wrote that book. It just, to me, writing is so therapeutic. I've done a lot of writing to do with grief and it's helped me more than anything else. How did the book come about? The book came about because I knew I wanted to put something out in the world that would be helpful to others grieving. And I read a lot in the beginning. I'm I'm a very extroverted social person. And during our acute grief, those beginning months of grief, I did not really leave the house. I was very introverted, very scared, very kind of scared of this new person. I felt like I was. And I did a lot of reading and I remember reading some books that made me feel worse and then some that made me feel better. And I thought I'm going to wait and I'm going to write something when I'm in a better place, because I felt like if I wrote then what I put on the paper is not something that I would want to exist forever. And so I wrote a really practical book, something that I felt like we needed as bereaved parents or anybody and anybody going through some type of bereavement. A lot of times we would get people saying things that they thought were helpful that were actually really hurtful. We had a lot of people trying to help us, but not really knowing what to do. And then I had a lot of questions of how can, how can we help? And I had no idea. I didn't know. I, then I was saying the wrong thing to them. And so I thought, I wish I just had an email. I just need to write an email and send it to all of our family and friends just saying, This is what would help now. This is what won't help. Just please read this. Don't ask me any questions. Just read this. And so that's what I decided to write. And I wrote the, it's the amazing itty bitty book on grief, 15 chapters that are very small. I love that you all reread it and we were just connected. Um, (laughs) Yes. That's the point of it. It's, I want it to be so quick that you can sit down and read it in 30 minutes And, or you can just flip through to a chapter. If you are wondering what you can do, just flip through and look what you shouldn't say, flip through and look and look. And I also remember we joined a a bereavement group that was specific for parents who had lost children, but there was a bookshelf 
And that was where I got a lot of the books that I read. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I want to write a book that I can put on that shelf so that somebody could pass it along to their support system. And so that's where the book came from. It was, you know, it's very practical. And my, just like you, I find writing to be really therapeutic. And this was actually hard to write. It's part of a series of itty bitty books. And so it was more template style writing, which for me was really hard because I want to put me down on the page. Like what is in my, what are my thoughts? But it was also good that it was so practical and I was forced to write in a template style because it really, what I wanted was created this handbook, but don't put it past me to not write a, I think at some point I'll I'll write a more personal book. I think that's a good idea. It's uh, you can always write. It's, it's a wonderful thing to do. And you mentioned all the different books that you, you read and looked at and which you said some were helpful and some weren't so good or it's so helpful. Which books, what, uh, maybe a type of book would you recommend for people to read that would make them feel better when they're looking for a, a book about grief? What, what would you suggest that they look for? I think the ones that I felt like were, and it's hard because I know that the authors were it was their heart poured out on the paper. And I think sometimes, and this is nothing negative. I think that sometimes when you're not far enough along on your journey, you're still stuck in the, in the grief that weighs you down. And I felt like some of the books were written when somebody was still in the grief that weighed them down. And so the feelings on the page were more about loss and what had been lost and not necessarily on what had been lost, but what also had been gained, what new and different, and I think more powerful and more empathetic perspective had been gained. I mean, there's been so many moments that have happened since we lost Brady that I can't describe them, but there are these wow moments that I don't think that I would be present for as my former self. And so just finding those kind of beautiful, intricate pieces of life that happen and that you're able to really see and feel once you've experienced loss. And I just remember reading about some of those stories of that were inspiring and, and just what people have done with their grief. I know for me, I ended up being a volunteer in the NICU and I was a volunteer for sharing parents. And so I felt like I was able to give back to parents who were at the beginning stages of grief and be this person who could stand with them, not in front of them, with them and say, I've been here too. I understand. And I also want you to know that you will get through this because I I trusted anybody who had been in our shoes. I trusted them more than somebody that hadn't. So I think that's a good question. I just think that when you're reading a grief book, if the feelings you're getting in the first few chapters are more sad and negative, maybe it's time to put down the book and pick up another one for now. Maybe it's something you can read in the future and read a book related to grief that also inspires joy and love and healing. And so it's, it's a feeling that I would look for, not necessarily a type of book. I don't know if that's helpful. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's wonderful. It's so important. I'm, I'm just so impressed with you for being able to put into action your feelings and what you, you did. The, the way that you volunteered is so powerful. 
and then then writing about it, not just not just for yourself. Well, writing for yourself is very valuable. To being able to do something more than that is also a gift, not only to you but to others. I know I lost a pregnancy halfway through, which was pretty far along years ago when people didn't talk about things like that. And I had nobody to talk to. I didn't know anybody who'd had any kind of miscarriage ever. And I'm sure I knew people that did, but they nobody ever talked about it. And they didn't have groups. They didn't have anything. And I, I never felt so isolated or as alone in my life. And when you were talking about coming from your perspective uh, with helping other people was just beautiful and such a positive way to help you deal with your loss as well as help them at the same time. And I feel that. I feel that every, first of all, I'm really sorry you had to go through that alone. That I think that especially losing a child at any stage mm-hmm. of pregnancy, it's that feeling of isolation and feeling like nobody else understands that was really one of the most painful things in the beginning for me and, and for my husband. But be, and because we had lost a twin, it was this weird sense of we still had a son and we got that a lot. Well, at least you still have one. And I remember thinking, but we also lost one. Yeah. That does not take away any of this grief. It was sort of fine, refining yourself and your confidence in this world that felt so alone. And again, we did not find the group, the sharing parents group until like sometime within six, eight months. And I remember walking into the room and just going, I actually feel seen. I feel connected in here because, and that was a really big driver for me for writing. Cause I, I love to write pre loss. And then I did not write when it first happened. Cause again, I didn't want it on. I did not, not want what was in my head and going on on paper. But once I went to the group, I realized there are other people that need to know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start writing and I'm going to put it out there. And it was, it was back in 2012, but it's funny because that was when social media was first starting to sort of become a thing. And so it was different putting yourself out there, but I still do remember the few accounts I followed where moms were doing the same things and they had had losses at similar times And I didn't personally reach out to them because I didn't have the energy to make personal connections back then. But I remember reading what they were writing and thinking, I've got to put myself out there too, because they're helping me so much with these words on a page or on social media. I'm going to do the same. And now when people thank me for writing about things that are hard to talk about, I always turn around and say, well, thank you for reading because I Mm -hmm. get just as much out of it as you hopefully get out of it. So it's a two-way street here, two-way street. Absolutely. It uh, is amazing for me when somebody has told me that they've read my book and that it it helped them (laughs) because that's the whole reason I wrote it was to help them, whoever they are, you know, not, not necessarily anybody I know, but to just anybody who can, can use the comfort and support and ways to, to deal with their grief. I'm just thrilled when somebody uh, gets an opportunity to pick it up and, and get something out of it. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's really Absolutely. Wonderful. And you never, this actually, I was just thinking about this last week, you never know when somebody's going to need your book and your writing, 
I, I have a, a client who recently lost her partner and she said to me, how did you do this? And I said, how did I do what? And she said, how did you grieve? So first of all, I went, wow, I, it's actually surprising that you've never felt grief before. And, you know, sometimes I'm just really mad. I felt it so early on, but it's okay. I've, I've found my space in it. And, but it just made me go, wow, it doesn't matter what stage of life we're in. We can always use something that somebody's written related to grief. We can always use it. And so yeah. So your book, my book, I mean, it's a great book for shelf because at some point or another, you may need it or a friend may need it. It's timeless. It really is. And I like how you freely talk about your experience too, because that's, that's so such a gift to people. I know one of the things that I've been doing to promote my book is to go on other people's podcasts. And I'm frequently surprised when somebody asks me to be their guest and their topic of their podcast has nothing to do with grief. And I find out when I, I get there that their best friend died or they knew somebody who had committed suicide and they felt like they could talk about it on their podcast in a way that they just couldn't talk about it to anybody that they knew so that they Absolutely. could get, get things out there. So it's, so many people, when when I, I tell them that, that my you know book is, has to do with grief, and they go, "Oh, that's nice," and go on to the next subject, you know, because <laughs> they just don't want to talk about grief. And I believe that the more we do talk about things, the better we're prepared when something does happen. It's still going to be a new experience every time, but at least it's not so unfamiliar. I guess I would say yes. so unfamiliar, and I think that with us talking about it and opening up the conversation for others, the biggest thing that I will say to people now who are experiencing grief is you have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. You know, I feel like I have this toolbox now of, mm -hmm. and with, I think I mentioned earlier with now we have four kids. So we've had three kids since, and, and then I run a fitness studio and with the pandemic, you know, the fitness studio was closed. The kids were at home. It felt like a whole different type of overwhelming grief of a lot of different loss in the beginning. And, but I remember thinking, and I know it's not, it's nothing compared to our first loss of a mm -hmm. child, but it was also loss. And I always say, I don't like it when people compare losses because it's all relative to what you're experiencing in the present moment, how much it affects you or it doesn't. And, but I remember thinking in the beginning of the pandemic, I'm so glad I have my toolbox of, you know, what works and what doesn't work when things don't go the way they're supposed to. And so that's what I'll say to people, you know, whether it's connecting with others who, who are going through similar situations, whether it's therapy, whether it's joining a group of people that are, again, going through similar situations, if it's exercise, if it's massages, you know, who knows what it is, but finding those things that are going to make you feel better when you're experiencing loss, it, they're so important. Finding safe friends that, you know, you can call on the phone and say, Hey, I'm not having a very good day. Can you come over to my house to make sure that I get up and go for a walk, please? That's, and I've got my tools that work now and I wouldn't have those tools if it hadn't been for our initial loss. And another thing, actually another really important thing is 
that's part of the toolbox is that we have come up with traditions to honor Brady, our son, who's not here anymore. And they're great traditions that the entire family looks forward to. So on the day that he actually passed away, we have, it's our Brady day. And, you know, we'll take the kids out of school. We'll go out on the boat. We'll go on the lake. We'll go somewhere, somewhere in nature as a family. And that's what the focus is. It's being together. It's having fun together. It's finding joy in that day. And that's Brady day. And we have, you know, a few days throughout the year, we hang a stocking. It's Brady stocking and it's our gratitude stocking. And every day we put, we're supposed to, the kids are so little, small, can't quite do this themselves yet, but we write a little note about what we're grateful for during the day. We put it in his stocking. And then on Christmas morning, my husband and I will go through and read the notes of gratitude for that month. And so these are just little ways that we've learned to honor our loss that put a positive spin on it. And don't, don't let it define our family as, you know, as a complete tragedy that changed us for the worse. I actually think that we've done a good job of making loss, not normal, but helping our children find ways to turn bad things into positive things. If they do happen. That's so beautiful. I, I just love that stocking, that gratitude stocking. I think that's such a fabulous idea, such a fabulous way of doing that. It, with the holidays coming up, I have so many people that are dreading holidays with not knowing what to do or how it's going to feel. And whenever there's some gift that you can give them, like talking to, because I'm always talking about gratitude and this idea of a gratitude stocking, what a, a wonderful thing to do or to tell somebody about. We love it. I just, I remember that first year hanging Luke stocking. And it just felt so wrong to not have a second stocking up there. And I thought, you know what? I think that was my first joyful moment. (laughs) So you know what? I'm going to hang a stocking. This is our gratitude stocking. But it was that you have to find ways to change the story. You have Mm -hmm. to find ways to always say that line, things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. I don't say that anymore. I say no. Things don't happen for a reason, but we do have the power to bring reason and meaning to the things that happen to us. Oh, I love that. That's really perfect. You just reminded me that when early in that first pregnancy that I had, my mom and I found this little little tiny Christmas stocking when we were out shopping. And so she bought it for me. I still hang that stocking every year. See, uh, yes. Yeah. It not people don't even know why I have that little stocking on my tree and they don't have to because it's just special for me. That's know? exactly it becomes, I think, our loss and our grief, it over time, because as we both know, time does not does not erase grief, but it definitely softens it and it allows it to become a part of us and our story and something that we hold close. I mean, I feel like I find gratitude and joy and present moments every day. Whereas before, I don't know how I operated before. I think I just flew through every day. Mm -hmm. And now it's, it's nice to stop sometimes and recognize, wait, I'm noticing that beautiful cloud right now because I know that I have this power to slow down and really take in everything that is happening in this present moment because life is different now. It's different. It's different. And it's a gift. It's a true gift. 
Yes, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Well, this has just been a, a wonderful conversation. I'm so grateful that, that you shared this with me. And do you have anything you, you'd like to add? Is there, where can some people get your book? Yes, they can get my book um, on Amazon. Again, it's the um, amazing itty bitty book on grief. And you can find it if you look it up. It's a little short read. And so, and you can, it's Kindle and it's um, hard copy. So, and then I'm on, I'm on Instagram, Lisa Harrington. And then I have a website, which is live fit with Lisa. And that's, that's the fitness side of things. But again, the fitness side is, it's definitely more wellness and health and health being on a physical and an emotional standpoint, because because I think that's the whole person, you know, we, we have to be physically healthy and also emotionally healthy. And sometimes when we're grieving, it can feel, life can feel really, really hard. And I will say this to anybody going through something tough, there's definitely light on the other side of the tunnel and it, it takes a lot of work and it takes patience and it takes faith that things will get better. And they will, they absolutely will. And there's people like you and me and books and resources that, that can help you when you're struggling. That's right. There's, there's always something there. Thank you very much. I appreciate you being here. And I hope lots of people get your itty bitty book on grief because it's really great. I think it's something that would be good to have every place for people to be able to just have it and not have to wait until they need it to have that, yeah. that knowledge that they can get from it. Exactly. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you also for sharing with me about your pregnancy. Oh, yeah. It, I don't talk about it often. So is, as I said, back in those days, people just didn't, my husband and I didn't even talk about it. He was, he was incredibly disappointed and he dealt with it by going off by himself. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a, a new world now. And it's so nice that people actually do open up about things because it's so much more helpful to, to love and support each other. Yeah. And you're giving, you're giving people the opportunity to do so through your podcast and your book. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. <laughs> what a mutual appreciation society we have here. So, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for being here. And for my guests, we'll be back next week with another new podcast and can't wait to see you there too. And thanks. Thanks. Bye. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.